Come with me and you'll be in a world of cinematic adventures. Hello. Welcome to this week's edition of Cinematic Adventures. Today I am with Hey, it's Eric. Um he does not have his own podcast. However, he does like Star Wars and he is a big Clone Wars nerd, pretty much like everybody else. So, Eric, what do you want to talk about when it comes to Star Wars? Do you want to start with Clone Wars or do you want to talk about like any and all things Star Wars? I'm happy to start wherever. Um, I do want to say Liz and I recently, well, she watched the newest trilogy um, in completion. And in watching it all back to back, like I was just kind of like, wow, I don't like this. And I guess <laughs> I was kind of in denial. I've sort of lying to myself about episode nine kind of like, yeah, that was good. They, they wrapped it up well. Good job, J.J. Abrams. But after watching it again, I'm just like, no, that sucked. And I don't know if I'm, you know, maybe shouldn't be saying that. I don't know if you have some fans that are really loyal to the newest trilogy or something. No. It, first of all, who the hell is loyal to that crab fest? <laughs> Secondly, you could say whatever you want. Okay. As long as it's the truth. Tell me, just tell the truth is all I ask. So if you did not like the dumpster fire that was the Star Wars sequel trilogy, then just admit it. (laughs) I know you're not certain at all how I feel about it, clearly. So I know we've talked about it, but I don't remember. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you want to talk Star Wars? You want to talk sequel trilogy? Let's talk sequel trilogy because it was a hot mess. I'm up with whatever. Okay. So we start with The Force Awakens. First question. Were you a prequels fan? So I used to hate, like hate on the prequels, even though that's what got me into Star Wars. Like there's moments throughout the, the prequels that I enjoy, like the pod racing, some of the lightsaber fights, like in particularly in episode one and episode three. But I, I just kind of appreciate the prequels now after the latest trilogy. Okay, so that's actually interesting because you're a millennial, right? Yeah, I guess I fall in that category. Okay, because most millennials I know love the prequels. I mean, everybody's different, but like, it, I've noticed that there is like a generational divide for Star Wars. It's like Gen X and older, like the original trilogy. Millennials like the prequels, and and that's it. Like, there's nobody who likes the sequels. Um, so I honestly, I, the only people I there know people who like a movie of the sequels, but like when you put it all together, I don't know anybody who likes the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, episode three just really ruined a cool character for me, especially because Anakin is so awesome in The Clone Wars, and we get the Anakin in episode three, which is like, uh, such a bummer, you know? Okay, so when I was watching the prequels, so I was an adult when the prequels came out. I'm Gen X. And when I was watching them, we were so hyped because it was like, you know, for the longest time, Star Wars was like, it was, it was a, as a trilogy, it was one and done. It was like, here are your three movies. Now go read a bunch of books if you ever want to go back to that galaxy because he's never, ever, ever doing them again. Like, that's what you thought, right? You thought it was like, this is a trilogy and that's it. And then there were rumors. It was like, ooh, we might, get, we might be getting more Star Wars. And it would have been appropriate at the time for him to continue the story. But instead, he was like, no, I have the technology. I'm going to tell the prequels. And we were like, oh, even better, we get to see the rise of Vader. And we were promised so many things. And then we go to see the Phantom Menace and we're like, okay, this is just one. It's just a warm up. We're good. 
we got this. Number two is coming. Yes, let's do this. We're going to get to see the Clone Wars. And then you see the Clone Wars and you're like, okay, but you know what? We're going to see Anakin turn to Vader in the next movie. So we're good. The, the third one is going to make it all worth it. And then when it was over, it was like, all right, fuck this. This is what happens when you are, when you have power unlimited and you surround yourself by yes men. You need somebody to tell your ass no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So um, that's why a lot of Gen X people didn't like it. Cause like we were promised certain things. And then when we saw the prequels, it was like, nope. <laughs> it was like, like, yeah, you're going to see Anakin turn into Vader and it's going to take 13 seconds and that's it. But the rest of it is going to be politics because everybody wants politics in Star Wars, right? Oh, yeah. That's, that's what we're here for. <laughs> right? We're here to hear intergalactic like political schemes, not to see like explosions in space and shit or to see like an interfamily drama. No, no. We want to see how the Jedi Council fell apart from within. That's what we're here for. Yeah. So, um, so that's why I didn't like the prequels and most people I know, but then, so when going into, I bring all of this up because this was, this is what happened. This was the mindset that I was in when the force awakens came out. So I went to see the force awakens as part of a marathon because of course. And so I remember going into it thinking, okay, We've been here before. The prequels let us down. I am having zero expectations on episode seven. I just hope it's not a dumpster fire. Please don't be shit. If it is, I'm probably never watching another Star Wars movie. Let's see. And then it starts out, and the first line is, this will begin to make things right. And I was like, ha-ha, JJ, I see what you're doing there. (laughs) And then The Force Awakens ends, and we're like, hey, that's pretty good. And then some people are divided because some people are like, that's like beat for beat a retread of the original. I'm like, yeah, but it's still, it's not shit. It's better, it's better dialogue and it's a better, it's a better overall movie than the prequels were. So I'm like, cool, bunch of mysteries because, you know, JJ's got the mystery box thing. Let's see what it is. And here's what happened for me. I allowed myself to get suckered in so that when it came time for episode two or for episode eight, I had expectations again. Never have expectations of Star Wars. Very right. Oh, so it, I, I got hurt again. <laughs> so that was my mindset going into it. And by the time I got around to, with everything that happened, like in the two years between The Last Jedi coming out and Rise of Skywalker and the fan base just like exploding, mm-hmm. like not exploding as in growing, but exploding as in like, destroying itself it got to the point where i was just like do i even care like i'm not even i i knew i wasn't gonna see it opening weekend which is like big for me i didn't go see a movie like star wars opening weekend what so that's the headspace i was in what what how did you approach the sequels so the first one yeah i I was exactly how you were just like kind of like cool new star wars movie but i don't know about this but it it you know, I was disappointed with the parallels with, you know, the, the previous trilogy, but it wasn't bad. But yeah, then Last Jedi, just uh, it, same thing with you. Expectations just really set you up. And even throughout the movie, I kind of had hopes where, like, maybe things will be different. And I kind of had that, like, glimmer of hope when Kylo turns against Snoke. I'm like, oh, oh, shit, this is cool. And then that whole fight is really awesome, in my opinion. And then, like, after that, it's just, like, the same thing. Like, join me, you know? And I'm like, uh, like, do something different, you know? <laughs> and then with the last, like, uh, the last one, I was just kind of, like, 
whatever. I'm taking it for what it is. And, you know, it was better. But I think I was really like, I understood with that last one, they they tried just wrapping up so much. And I really give JJ, like, credit to JJ. But like, it just was too much to really wrap up. And like, I didn't know how I felt about Palpatine being back. And I walked away from the theaters, like thinking like, okay, like, that was cool, I guess. But then after we watching it, now two more times from the first time I saw it, I'm just like, yeah, no, that that sucked, which is disappointing because I really like Kylo Ren as a character and uh, Ren had like promise, but I just, they just wrap it up, I guess the way I would have liked. Or, you know, anyone. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so, so let's take it film by film then. The Force Awakens, were you excited were you like afterwards, not beforehand, but like after you saw it, what were your thoughts on The Force Awakens? I was really excited because I came onto the Star Wars wagon pretty late. So it was my first Star Wars movie to go see at the theaters. And I was really excited about that. And I mean, I had rewatched the six movies so many times before then and been into Clone Wars, even read some of the comics. So I was really excited and, you know, I was impressed with like a lot of the visuals, but just the story didn't captivate me. Um, Mm. But either way, being in my like my first Star Wars movie in the theaters, I was into it, but I didn't know how to feel about it. Hmm. Okay. So then what happened in the infamous Last Jedi? (laughs) Oh, where to begin with that one? Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's what it was. Like, I'm, I can't help it. I fall for like these fan theories right before the movie. So then I start making my own predictions. And so it was bad going into it with that. And then I made the mistake of hearing reviews right before I saw it. And I heard people were just not into it. So already I was sort of dragging my feet into the movie theater. And I was just like, here goes nothing. But yeah, I just walked away feeling so confused. Like, really confused yeah me too when i first came out of it i was confused about for one what the hell did i just watch but also like how i felt about it because i remember immediately after i saw it when i went back to work my coworkers were like what did you think you saw it already what did you think and i was just like uh and they were like you hated it and i was like no no i wouldn't say i hated it and they're like you hated it because like I mean, after Endgame, if somebody was like, how was it? I'd, like, turn into a bawling mess and be like, it was so good. And, like, (laughs) because Endgame was, like, everything you ever wanted a movie to be. Absolutely, yes. And, like, so they knew. Like, they knew my reaction to movies that I loved, right? And, um, which is odd, because as soon as I mention someone from work, that person calls me right now. Very strange. Anyway. (laughs) That's funny. Um, so, because the very person I'm talking about is actually calling me, that's weird. Um, so they were, you know, they were looking for that reaction of like, "Yo, you gotta see it." And instead, I was like, I didn't say anything. They they had to come to me. And when they came to me, I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> really? And I had that same reaction after seeing Interstellar and Iron Man three. And not one of those films did I end up having the thought of like afterwards when I've seen it because. You know, you see it the first time and every single time with all three of those films, I was like, well, maybe it was just the hype. Maybe I need to like stand back and watch it again. I'm definitely gonna have to watch it again. And then with all three films, I see it the second time. And the second time I'm like, huh, it's the same thing. And I'm like, okay, okay. 
So there are definitely good parts, but there are definitely parts that maybe didn't work. But, you know, overall, it was a good movie. Sure, it was a good movie. And I'm like, yeah, I, I think I like it, you know, but very uncertain. And I should know myself. Like, when I like something, I'm like, oh, my God, that was awesome. And this one, I was like, yeah, sure. God, of course I like If I have to convince myself, obviously, I don't like it. And with all three of those movies at the end, like, after seeing it, usually the third time, the third time is the killer. And that's when I'm like, okay, I don't like this movie, and here's why. And now I know exactly what's wrong with the film. And the thing that irritates me the most is when a film has style and no substance. Mm-hmm. all three of those films fall in that category. They are all beautiful films, but if you stop and you think of just the story, you're like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> That's The Last Jedi. <laughs> so, so yeah, when I first saw it, I was like, huh. Everybody's like, did you love it? I, um, it was a movie? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that was like the best I could say. <laughs> and um, I remember talking to people about it and and I at first defended Luke. So here's, here's the the thing. When I first, yes, when I first saw it, I defend. Okay. So not so quick aside, I did not defend the part of him lighting the lightsaber. I defended him being on the Island. And the reason why I can like, I realize what now, why I did that is because technically him being on the island came from The Force Awakens. That didn't come from The Last Jedi. Yeah. So, like, yeah. him being on Octu, because a lot of people... Did, right? Yeah. A lot of people were like, why the hell is he on Octu? He wouldn't give up. And I'm like, no, I can see. Like, to me, that was a, a natural part of his character. Like, he he felt like he created the last... You know, he created the next Vader. And I also thought that, you know, maybe he was on that island to figure out how to either bring him back or stop him. I didn't think that he was like marooned on that island because he hated everything. Um, But I was like, I was okay with him being on the island. And that's the part I was defending. But I didn't defend the the lighting of the lightsaber because I'm like, well, that Luke wouldn't do that. Like even the first time I saw it, I was like, wait, why did he like, like immediately I was like, why would he ignite the lightsaber? Luke wouldn't do that. So yeah, I, I couldn't defend that and I still can't defend that. But then after, like, other than that, I was like the scene where... The um, where the, the the holdo maneuver as it's now called, where she you know light speeds through another ship. Uh huh. I love the way that was shot. That's a fantastic, very cool scene. Cinematic adventure, right? Exactly. Like, not to use the my name, the name of my show, but it really is because you're sitting there and it's like the thing is like everything is loud and there's a crescendo and then all of a sudden every like all the sound cuts out and you just see the light zip straight through and I was like, oh, that's awesome. But then if you turn your brain back on and you think about it, you're like, that doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> so, and I feel like that's all of The Last Jedi. It was a beautiful film, but none of it made any sense. And I have a problem with that because I am a person of substance. And style is bullshit if it's not propping anything real up. So, so that's, that's where I am on it. What did you think about? Uh, I mean, just, just dive in. Feel free. Well... Like, yeah, I totally agree with you. Did not have the substance. And there, I think why I ended up walking away still kind of feeling like, huh, I don't know how I felt about it. Because it did have those beautiful moments. Um, like I, that scene I mentioned earlier where, you know, Kylo turns on Snoke and, you know, there's that slow-mo show pan, like pan where Ray and Kylo go back to back. That was like, it gave me goosebumps. And I'm like, this is cool. I've never seen this. You know, this is what the balance of the force is like, you know. 
like dark and light teaming up. And so it's moments like that that really just confuse me. But when you, when I think back about my reactions, because I had the same people asking me, like, just like you, like, how was it? What'd you think? And they expected me to be like, it was amazing. Go watch it. But it didn't have that reaction. Just kind of like with Infinity Wars or with Endgame, those were like, hey, that was awesome. Like one of the best movies sort of thing. And I didn't get that. Like, and I can't believe it. I kept lying to myself and I had to rewatch it a couple times. And also like, I think for me, what was one of the biggest frustrations for me was definitely like just Luke's character. Like, sure, he has that redemption, but like, it's just, I had a hard time buying that. Like he became that. And I understand that, you know, he, he blamed himself for what happened with Ben, but still like for him to be that deep in a hole, it, it was hard for me to believe. I just felt that like when Ray would have landed to the island and, you know, basically pulled like a, a lady, like, hey, we need your help again, that he would just be like, I need to step up, you know? But it was so mm-hmm. opposite. And I think that was one of my biggest takeaways from the movie where I was just like, no, no, what is happening? This is not Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Um, another problem I have with it is that she never got trained at all. The scenes yeah. that we think where we think that Luke is training her, he's not training her. She's just doing, she's just practicing on her own. Yeah. She's just using the lightsaber to practice. But he, he, he literally, the only training he does is when he was fucking with her. Like the scene where she was like lifting rocks and then he hit her with the, with the branch. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the only training he gives her. Not only in this movie, but in the entire trilogy. He doesn't train her at all. Which is why it makes no sense at the end of Rise of Skywalker for her to take the name Skywalker. She had no connection to the Skywalker name. Yeah. If anything, she should have taken the last name Solo because she had a connection with Han and Leia and both of them were Solos. And then Ben. She ended up falling in love with Ben, which is really creepy in my opinion. I think it's creepy too. uh, Yeah. So she should have taken the name Solo because she had zero. Her only interaction with Luke was him being like a grumpy old man saying, get off my lawn. Exactly. And she's going to take his name, despite the fact that Leia ends up training her in Rise of Skywalker. Han was who brought her into the whole thing in The Force Awakens. And she really didn't, she wasn't really with anybody in The Last Jedi. She was pretty much on her own the whole time. So, well, except for when she was with Luke and he was like, get off my lawn. (laughs) So her connection is entirely through the solo line. There's no reason for her to take Skywalker as a name. And also, in so doing, they just throw Anakin Skywalker, like, in the dumpster. So, I know I just, like, crossed movies, but that's, like, still, we were, so when I saw The Force Awakens, my, in my headcanon, she was Ben's sister, and Leia and Han's daughter, which is why Han and Leia took to her so easily, and also why, um, you remember the scene in, um, in Maz's cantina, Yes. When Maz and Han, they were all sitting at the table and Maz turns to Han as soon as Ray leaves and she goes, who's the girl? And then Han gets this like weird look on his face. And then we see her, you know, later on she gets the lightsaber. And the next time we see Maz, she's talking to her about the lightsaber. And she tells her, you know, the people you were waiting for are behind you. This is your new path. And she tells her to take the lightsaber. Okay. So. The last time we saw Maz, she had no idea who the girl was. The next time we see Maz, she knows exactly who the girl is. The only person that she talked to or that she, the person she asked was Han. 
which means Han knows who she is and told Maz, right? Yeah. That wow. was, so to me, and on top of that, like, I thought that it was like an air, like the Millennium Falcon was like an heirloom. She goes to the Millennium Falcon. She knows how to pilot it. And Han is like, huh. And he kind of like, he takes to her and everything. I figure that she was his daughter that just like Ben, he gave up, like he and, and Leia gave up to, um, gave to Luke to train because as we remember, as we learned in the prequels, they start training at like two or three. Right. So they start training at a very young age. Also, this makes sense as to why she knows how to use the force, even though Han just told her 10 minutes ago that the force was real because like, so when she gets captured and she knows, and she uses the Jedi mind trick, it, she's not a Mary Sue. If she was training with Luke from the age of two to say 10, yeah, it explains why she knows how to use a Jedi mind trick. It also could explain the way look the way Luke looked at her when he just gave her that look, because it kind of looked like he was like, "Oh, you're alive," or like, "Oh, you're back," and then instead he was like, "Who the fuck are you?" And I'm like, "That's not the look he gave at the end of the Force Awakens." So to me, that all it all makes sense if she's his daughter. Also, the scene when um, after Han dies and she goes to Leia. And Leia doesn't go to Chewie. It makes sense if Leia's going to her daughter over her friend. That makes sense, right? That makes a lot of sense. Right. But now she's just some random stranger. So why are you snubbing why are you snubbing Chewie again, Leia? Why? What are you doing with like why do you hate Chewie? He's been your friend for 60 years, damn near. Come on, man. So um so yeah, so all of these little holes that people keep pointing to, they're all solved by her being their daughter. And to me, like that's where they were going with it. Also in The Force Awakens, I didn't think she was the one that the Force was awakening in. I thought it was Finn. Because for one thing, his name is FN2187. 2187 is the number of the Force. Second, at the time in the movie when Snoke says, there has been an awakening, have you felt it? And Kylo says, yes. She has yet to awaken in the Force. She's still just a scavenger on Jakku. She has not used Force powers at all. She doesn't know the Force is real. However, there is one character who has done something uncharacteristic, and that was Finn. And so um, to prove that I think Finn was supposed to be Force-sensitive, aside from his name, and that he was the one the Force awoke, awoke in, in the very beginning of the movie, remember when like Kylo froze the boat and everything, everybody was shooting and Finn stops and doesn't shoot. Kylo turns his head and he snaps and looks right at Finn. And as he's staring at Finn, Finn, like you can, you, even though he's got his helmet on, you know, he's looking at him. And then um, later on, and then he goes back to what he's doing. And then later on when he's talking to um, Poe or not Poe um, to General Hux and to um, shiny armor, because <laughs> she really yeah. has no she's she's got no character she literally is what maybe she's six lines cool. in the whole thing that's it yeah so um when he's talking to them and they were like yeah he's you know um we think his blaster was defective and because you know he didn't shoot and immediately kylo like kylo didn't go like oh the one dude kylo went f into 187 he knew exactly who it was so that to me is like, oh, he sensed the force. And then when Snoke was like, there's been an awakening, have you felt it? I'm like, ah, it was him. He was talking about Finn because they have 
like if you notice like all the other stormtroopers or whatever they're called in this version all the other troopers they just did everything without thinking whatever their orders were they did it Finn was somehow able to break the brainwashing of the first order remember he's not it, it's not like the military when um han joined now it's more like stormtroopers from like the prequels where you know they were kidnapped Right. And um, and raised, you know, they're kidnapped as babies and raised to believe solely in the First Order. So he's made it to like 23 years old or however old he is and somehow was able to break brainwashing that he is only the only thing he's known in his life. And he's somehow able to like not do it. That was the force awakening in him. Mm-hmm. And um, and then on top of that, again, you have Maz, who's kind of like the Yoda of this series. He's like, I need a weapon. And she, she holds his hand and says, this is a weapon. <laughs> like, you have one in your hand. And in Star Wars, aside from when, um, when Han used uh, Luke's lightsaber to open up the Tauntaun, in that case, he did it, like, for survival. He didn't use it as, like, a weapon. But in Star Wars, the only people you ever see using a lightsaber as a weapon are Force-sensitive. So to me, that lets us know he's Force-sensitive. There's one more scene that proves that he's Force-sensitive. It harkens back to the scene in um, in the original Star Wars when Obi-Wan was like freaked out and they were like, what's wrong? And he was like, it, it's weird. I felt the strangest thing as if I heard thousands of voices scream out and then silence. There's a scene like that in The Force Awakens where they, when they, they kill all five, they destroy all five planets, before anything can be seen in the sky, Finn is running and he stops and he turns and looks up. And then after he looks up, you can start to see the red coming through the sky. Well, why did he know to stop and look up? You couldn't see anything. He clearly couldn't hear anything. Why did he look up first? Because the force let him know, like, hey, people are in danger. Just like with Obi-Wan. So I was like, oh, Finn's force sensitive, yes! And then, in, then the second time, in one of the same movie, you see for the second time, he uses a lightsaber. And again, when Kylo was fighting him, Kylo was not surprised that he's using a lightsaber. I'm like, yeah, he's force sensitive. And then in The Last Jedi, he's just the butt of jokes. Yeah, it really changed his character. Like, it seems so promising that I thought he was also going to maybe go under some, underdo, undergo some training also. But, yeah, you know, just goes on some little side mission sort of thing. I thought, honestly, that for the second movie in the trilogy he was going to be down for the count. He was going to be out for most of it because of the injury that Kylo gave him at the end of, of uh, the first one. And that to me, like everybody's talking about subverting expectations. That would have been a great way to subvert expectations. You expected him to come in and, you know, get maybe get training or have a significant part in the second movie. And for Mm -hmm. a majority of the movie, he's out. And then maybe he comes to at the end or like halfway through, but he's got to kind of, you know, come back. But then it, it, like, it would be also, it would also be awesome to like, once he does come back, then he's with Luke and Luke has to reach, you know, has to train him mm-hmm. because, and this is where I think if you're going to subvert expectations, you got to go with this. Ray should have gone to the dark side in return of the Jedi or not return of the Jedi. And, um, in the last Jedi Ray should have gone to the dark side, have Finn wake up and be trained by Luke. And then in 
the second or in the third movie, now you have Luke yet again trying to pull her back. You don't kill him off, obviously. Um, or maybe you do. Maybe, maybe she kills him, and that's how it ends. Uh, but at least he dies like a hero's death instead of just like disappearing into the twin suns. Um, so maybe you kill him off and now you're like, okay, there's nobody left except for Finn. And he just trained for like a quarter of the movie. There's no way he can go up against her and Kylo. And then in the third movie, we find out like, no, Leo was trained and there are others and blah, blah, blah. Like whatever. I don't care. But it would have been so much better. Like she needs to go. Actually, I would have loved it if what happens is Finn pulls a Luke. If you're going to copy from the originals, just go straight down the line. Have Finn pull a Luke and bring Ray back to back to the light. Or even better, again, you want to subvert expectations. Ray doesn't come back from the light. He pulls Ben back to the light. Mm. And it ends up being a showdown between Ray and Ben. Now that would have been awesome. But Ray is, of course, on the dark side. That would have been cool. You should really write some of this stuff. I, I, <laughs> I'm so imp- like I'm visualizing this in my head, and I'm just already way more satisfied than <laughs> I had a few weeks ago with that. It's, a lot of that just makes a lot more sense than what happened. And it's I think I sort of disagreed with Disney's choice of having different directors throughout the movie because I was worried mm-hmm. something like like that would happen. Like even as you mentioned, right, that they really built up Finn and then he has a somewhat of a different role in the second one. And then they introduce Rose. And then by the third one, Rose is like, has like a few lines, you know, that that's sort of what I was worried about. But I think the ideas you present are so consistent that it would just make more sense to have gone in that type of direction. Yeah. I, so the thing that I like about like the, the new, the, what I just came up with is that the thing, the catalyst to get her to go to the dark side could have been and so it could have been a retread but not a full retread in that um in the original trilogy when vader comes to get luke and he tries to turn him it doesn't work and so in the new trilogy when kylo comes to get ray and he tells her you're my sister it does work now you're in new territory because you're thinking whoa and then especially with luke dying because when you have a trilogy and you know it's going to be a trilogy the second movie has to end on a dour note so that you have something to come back to because you have to basically the trilogy is like a three act structure of a movie. So the beginning is the exposition. The second part is the problem. It's the conflict. The third part is the resolution. This in the last Jedi, I feel like the conflict was brought up and then it was resolved. And then it was like, okay, we're done now. So there was like no need to come back for a third movie, but and the, the way that I would structure it, I would have, okay, we have our introduction. Here are your characters, right? So you want to have the old characters come back, but you want to pass the torch on to the new generation. Okay, and everybody was complaining about Ray being a Mary Sue. Well, she's not a Mary Sue if she trained. And, you know, she also is part Skywalker because she's a solo. Right. Um, but then to subvert expectations, you swap villains. So you start with Kylo being the bad guy and, but you don't swap villains till the end. So you start with Kylo being the bad guy. And then in the second movie, you have Ray go like, you have the big reveal, like in, in the original trilogy of like, no, I am your father. Instead, the big reveal is you're my sister. And this time it works, brings her to the dark side. They get together and kill Luke. When you end the movie like that, now you're like, 
holy shit, is the dark side just going to take over? Like, what? And again, you now you have your conflict. You don't get the resolution till the third movie. And in the third movie, you see that Finn rises to the occasion. He doesn't kill Kylo or Rey. He tries to bring Rey back to the, to the light. It doesn't work. But what works is we see the forced ghost again. And the forced ghost of Anakin Skywalker comes back and talks to his grandchildren. It doesn't work on Rey. Still, she stays the bad guy, but it works on Ben and he gets his redemption and he ends up having to kill his sister, which like destroys him, but it saves the galaxy. Like he killed, um, and I would actually have Snoke stay on through the whole thing. Really? Okay. So I would have, actually, I would have it so that he doesn't kill his sister. I would make it so that he kills Snoke, but in the third movie, and then Finn has to kill Ray. And that'd be, that would be very deep because I know in the first one they had like a strong connection. Yep. And, and he tries to pull and see there's, so it's, it's still mirroring the original trilogy, but it's just different enough that it does subvert expectations because you're expecting for Finn to be able to pull Ray back from, you know, back to the light side, but instead he has to kill her. And, it, and it's a situation where like they tried, like she is trying to kill him. He has to kill her, but he tried to pull a Luke. He tried to bring her back but it didn't work. But then, and the reason why I say Anakin has to come back and talk to Ben is because Anakin is space Jesus. The whole thing revolves around Anakin. I can't stress that enough. All nine movies have to have something to do with Anakin Skywalker. So that's why everybody's like, I like that you don't have to be forced. You don't have to be a somebody. You don't have to be related to be powerful. Okay, did you watch any of the six Star Wars movies before this? Anakin was a nobody. He was a nobody. Luke started out as a nobody. He didn't know that he was related. But, like, we see hundreds of Force users that aren't related to anybody. So Force sensitivity is not a... It's it's not inherently genetic. It's just, you know, it's just a thing. It just kind of... The Force chooses people to be it, you know, to to be able to wield the force. Mm-hmm. So like already it's already baked into the cake that you don't have to be somebody to be able to use the force, but you do have to be able to train to be able to use the force. So um, that's why I would have been like, okay, you know, have, like, to me, st- the, the saga movies are the family drama. If you want non-family drama you want somebody that's not related to a skywalker to be the main character which again you have several characters throughout the throughout all three trilogies that are not related that are main characters but if you want somebody to be like super powerful and not be a skywalker then that's fine do it as a star wars story there's a reason why only certain movies are numbered and it's because it's all part of the skywalker saga right so if you're not a skywalker the fuck are you doing in the saga? (laughs) So, and of course they knew that, which is why at the end of rise of Skywalker, they had her take his name because it still has to be tied to the Skywalkers in some kind of way. So, um, I would have had it still. And Kylo is still technically a Skywalker, even though his last name is solo, his mom's a Skywalker. So, and that's why like I bring Anakin back because perhaps Anakin is the balance because you have the good and the bad and siblings so you know you you have um not necessarily turn on each other again i would have i would have him kill snoke and i would have finn have to be the one to kill ray 
And the thing is, like, can you imagine seeing Kylo? Like, Kylo just finishes killing Snoke, and then he feels Rey's death. And he runs in, and he sees that Finn had to kill her. But he's not angry at Finn because he knows that she was irredeemable. And, like, can you imagine, like, the torment that Ben would have to go through? Oh, that's so dark. Right? I think because it's so dark is why I love this idea. And also because it is so dark, it just would not fly with Disney. I feel like you need a, your own show that's like an HBO special like, <laughs> show because it's that dark. And I would, I would love to see that. But I mean, but if you think about it, it's in line with the original trilogy. Because, you know, Vader was a homicidal maniac. He killed and tortured millions of people in the like 20 years that he was Darth Vader. Yeah. But they still allowed him to be redeemed. So it's not like it is dark, but it's also it's also in line with the brand of what of what is Star Wars, in my opinion. So, yeah. And also, like thinking about speaking of like dark stuff, dude, the Clone Wars got dark. Like the Clone Wars gets pretty dark. It does. Especially like that seventh season. Like it's. So I I think they would let it. I, I if it maybe they would. I don't know. If Kathleen Maybe. Kennedy were in charge, no way in hell. But if anybody else was in charge, they might let it. But you're right. That seventh season was dark. And I guess now that I'm thinking about, like, Order 66 and Episode 3, like, just seeing all the Jedi get off like that, it is yeah. pretty dark. And also think about, like, in the in uh, the prequels, Anakin murdered children. Yeah. Uh, so, That's yeah. And, yeah. And he murdered children twice. Because if you think about it, like, yeah, he murdered children in the Jedi Temple. But before that, in the second episode, remember, he's like, I killed them all, even the women and the children. So he was already a child murderer. Yeah, he was just destined to like go to the dark side. And that is what was supposed to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think they might have let it. They might have let it slide. <laughs> uh, especially knowing that, you know, that it it brings everything back together because like for me i think the reason why people love the fight scenes in empire and return of the jedi so much are because there's an emotional impact it's not just like two people in like a laser sword fight it's because of what's emotionally happening in that scene you know true yeah between like father and son and or actually supposedly between you know two enemies that don't really know each other, except it's revealed that it's father and son. And then the next battle when it is father and son. And it's the emotional impact in the scene that carries the weight that makes you like that. It's what you feel. That's what you take away from those fights. And I think the, the sequel trilogy was entirely missing that there wasn't a single fight sequence that had any emotional weight to it that I can think of. Like the closest thing would have been in the Return of the or not. I keep wondering why do I keep calling it Return of the Jedi and um in the Last Jedi when Kylo was fighting the not there you know his not there uncle, but I don't really count that as emotional because it's not like they had any kind of restitution. He was just kind of walking out and he was there. And on yeah. top of that, so the premise is he marooned himself on an island because he find he thinks himself responsible for creating Kylo. But the problem is he is responsible for creating Kylo. He lit his lightsaber. If you were a kid, like when you were a teenager, if you woke up and you turned around and you saw your super powerful uncle with a death weapon, like ready to kill you, it would make you turn against him. Right. Absolutely. Like, yeah, just defend yourself. Like it's like, whoa, that's, 
that's pretty freaking scary. Exactly. So, and then especially it was weak sauce to find out that like all of this was Palpatine being a puppet or like Palpatine being the puppet master. And like, he put the thoughts into Kylo's head and he made it so that Luke saw it because he was trying to bring down Luke and trying to turn Kylo. I'm like, for what? It doesn't even like the reason why he supposedly does that changes in the rise of Skywalker. At first he wanted her dead. He wanted to find Ray and have her killed. And then he didn't want her killed in the end. Instead, he had to kill her so that his essence could transfer into Well, which is it? Do you want her brought to you or do you want her dead? So it's, it's just, it's the whole thing's a mess. <laughs> so. It is, but, you know, what saved me from just that was the newest Clone Wars season because I watched that right after and it was just like, Ah, this is good. This is just just brought back life into the love I have for Star Wars. It was satisfying thoroughly. The whole episode one to, I think it was 12 episodes. So the last episode was just that good. So it brought back that love for Star Wars. Dude, those last four episodes. So I have to admit that like the whole grappa thing, I was like, whatever. But um, the last four episodes, and the Bad Batch were pretty awesome. The last four episodes of season seven are the best of Star Wars, like yeah. I period. think it was uh, the Phantom Apprentice episode. Yeah, I think it felt like a movie. Honestly, like from start to finish, I was hooked. I was like, like this feels like it was awesome. <laughs> My friends were making fun of me because I held off watching those episodes. I was like, it's okay, me. Clone Wars is on, and like <laughs> at first, when the first when it first came back, I was like, oh, I'm watching it, and like I would watch it, you know week by week and then as soon as it started getting to like the i was like half i was like no it was episode four and i was like okay i don't i don't, I don't want this to end i don't want to if i don't maybe if i don't watch it it won't end so, <laughs> so i just like stopped watching it and then um i was gonna do an episode on it on uh, nerd one about it and so i was like okay i have to watch it and i knew i was like this is gonna be emotional because it's gonna be like we're saying goodbye to ahsoka and then I watched those last four episodes. After every episode, I'm like screaming and I'm like, oh my God. And so I like need to watch the next one. And then when it ends, especially with the, oh man, with that ending and then with the Vader. And I was just like, ah! like it, I was nuts. Uh, I was insane. It was, I want to rewatch this thing tonight. <laughs> right? Me too. Like every time I talk about it, I'm like, I want to rewatch it. But I don't because <laughs> it's like it gets so emotional. I know, but something I definitely did after finishing the season is I went to forget what season of Rebels it is, but where Ahsoka fights Vader, I just went to that oh, yeah. episode and rewatched it, and I was like, "Wow, that that's something." Because it had been that much time period since they last had seen each other. Yeah, and it was like it was cool to see the the stark differences. And I've just come down to Ahsoka Tano is my favorite. Star Wars character. She's wow. mine too. My two favorite are Ahsoka and Anakin Vader. When I say Anakin, I mean exclusively from the Clone Wars, especially yeah. Duke. Okay, so the best part about the early episodes is when, or earlier, I should say, when Anakin, like Obi Wan, is like he's you know pinned down, and Anakin just walks through this war zone. Like, you okay? Why are you hiding? I was like, oh my god, that is the chosen one. <laughs> 
you could do that. You could get away with that, you know? And he's just like, he's walking through as if these lasers aren't going to like murder him if they get him. And he's just kind of like moving his head to the side, let it go right past him. And then just walks up like, hey, how you doing? Oh, there you are. And just kills him. And I was like, oh, shit, this is this is Anakin Skywalker. I feel like Anakin at the end of the Clone Wars and Anakin from Rogue One or Darth Vader from Rogue One. Like that is the chosen one. Totally. The Clone Wars Anakin, where he's just like throwing down. And even in the earlier seasons, like when um, when Ahsoka had to plead with them, like, you got to stop. Nobody else can follow you. Like, you're the best pilot there is. You're getting everybody killed. They can't do what you do. Like, it's things like that that make us go, oh, okay, that's the Anakin from the Clone Wars. That's 10 times better than any movie. Yeah, and then- I mean, he has so many just, like, awesome moments throughout, like, most of, like, the episode. Like, he just has, like, some iconic scene with just, like, true badass moments. Right. Um, so, like, okay, my favorite thing to do, most likely, will be to watch the end the last four episodes of the clone wars and then like you said go to that episode of rebels where he fights ahsoka and then go from that to the end of rogue one where he's going through it where he's he's going on to leia's ship like that's just a badass vader compilation <laughs> it is i i know ex- i've imagined that yes before. and like ugh, just when he opens that door and the fear that these all these soldiers have like you damn right should be scared <laughs> yes and i love how like he can lift all of them just with his just with his fist he just yeah. lifts them and holds them and i'm like oh that's vader that's that's badass that's that explains why palpatine saved his life because he knew he had that in him exactly yeah and i feel I like the movies just don't do him justice aside from that one scene they really don't and i don't know if you've read any of the marvel comics that star wars ones that have come out yeah uh, I, have. I haven't checked out too many of them, but there are some pretty dark Vader moments like in that, where it's just like, wow, badass Sith for sure. My favorite is, uh, is, I don't know. I think it is Marvel. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Because it, it's talking about when um, he's marooned on a planet. I think Leia set it up for him some kind of way, but he ends up marooned on a planet and he's completely surrounded by people with laser, like by soldiers with lasers and they're all going to like, they're all thinking they're going to kill him and they think he's terrified. And he goes, he, it was such an iconic line. He's like, I'm surrounded by dead men. And then he proceeds to murder all of them. And I was like, why don't we get this in the movies? Like he's completely surrounded. He kills all of them. I mean, he ends up injured and he has to have a suit modified, but he's like, he was completely surrounded by soldiers and they, all died i was like damn yep that's that's vader badass right there yeah so badass vader and ahsoka tano are my two favorite characters in all of star wars and think of how powerful luke and leia would have been if ahsoka was their mother wow two <laughs> force sensitive beings that like especially as strong as both of them were for them to have children oh yeah yeah that'd be nuts that'd be nuts right yeah. So also in my head canon, instead of the way things went down, because like he had zero chemistry with Padme in any form. There was they've not seen any medium where there is a version of Anakin and Padme that have chemistry. They just it's they can't. 
<laughs> so, um, but he had perfect chemistry with Ahsoka. Yeah. So what I did was I had the two of them go off together and then she dies. And that is what turns him. That would, that's awesome. I really like that idea. And it makes sense because he seemed pretty torn when, you know, she like left the order anyways. Yeah. And, or actually, instead of having that necessarily be the thing to turn him, it like pushes him a little bit further. So then he ends up later in a relationship with Padme, but it doesn't, he's kind of off. It's, he's not fully there because at this point he's already lost his mother and now he's lost the love of his life. And so he's just kind of with Padme and then something happens with Padme. Like I would say that he thinks that he's, that she betrays him. And that's when he just kind of loses it. Either that or you can have Padme die. But again, I think having her die again would be too much, especially since in the originals, she was actually like, she had um, Leia. She didn't die immediately. So Mm -hmm. I would have her live. I would have Padme live, but then maybe betray him. And like that betrayal is what makes him just go completely to the dark side because he's already teetering when Ahsoka dies. Like it, it pushes him right to the brink of the dark side. But then like Pad, he, he has this like awkward relationship with Padme, which would have been even better because like that it's supposed to be awkward because his relationship with her was always awkward. So make it so it's supposed to have this awkward relationship with him or, or with her. And then when it doesn't work, or not when it doesn't work, but like when she, when he feels like she betrays him, like maybe he thinks that the kids are Obi-Wan's and that would be enough for him to be like, all right, fuck it, dark side. <laughs> like, but he was already like, he was pushed right to the brink by Ahsoka's death. And then that was just the last straw and then just tipped him over. Basically I'm saying yeah, that, there are better ways for him you to become bigger. Yeah. <laughs> HBO special, HBO special. <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> I just want things, you know, HBO could deliver that. I guess it just says a lot about me. I just want that HBO gore sort of thing that, you know, it's Star Wars. So like, you know, there's no blood usually because lightsabers, right? But right. there's the headings too, though. But, you know, it definitely could get a little bit, should be more gruesome. <laughs> well, thank you. And on that note, I'm going to end it. Uh, is there anything you want to say in closing? Uh, no, just thanks so much for having me. It's always so much fun talking Star Wars with you. Awesome. We come back and do it again. You can come back after season two of Mandalorian drops. Oh, I would too. And we didn't even chat up, chat it up about Mandalorian, so we'll have to. All right, cool. Thank you, and I will see you later. If you like this episode, do us a favor. If you're listening through Apple, give us a five-star rating or any other app. Drop us a like, and don't forget to subscribe so that you can hear new episodes when they come out. Thanks. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. (laughs) Yeah.